0: Hi, and welcome to Talk Health. I'm Tom, and I want to talk about health with you. You see, change is really hard, and there's so much information out there that it is overwhelming. But you don't have to be perfect to improve your health. Trust me. So I want to hear what changes you are making to move yourself closer to your health goals. These can be big changes, but more importantly, they can be really small. The key is they're real. I'll be talking to real people, making real changes in their lives. Today, I'm talking to Monica. I know Monica from my days working in a primary care office. As her provider, we worked on ways to manage the challenges she faced. And now, we're talking again in hopes that our conversation can help you on your health journey. Throughout our conversation, I'll be talking about the stages of change, a big topic and hopefully you'll see how determining where you are in the stages of change can make all the difference in the outcome. Well, let's get started.
1: For me, you know, soda was my norm, that's, that's how it is. That's why it's so hard for me to try and cut. I mean, I've done a lot better than I used to like before I got diabetes, I used to bring like, you know, three or four 12 packs of soda home and I'd go through, like, a case of soda in, like, a week. You know, you're growing up, man, I don't care, you know, I'm just going to drink it. But you don't think about all the other health stuff that's going to affect you as you're getting older, you know? Hi, my name is Monica, and I am trying to improve my health. I have diabetes, and I'm trying to control them and make sure I get better and eat healthy and eventually get off my diabetic medicine. So I don't have to deal with that anymore. That's what I'm trying to do. One of my goals is get that out of there, exercise more, you know, eat less stuff that I need better stuff or whatever, you know, better things than what I do now. The biggest problem I have is soda. And if, you know, if I don't stop it, it could turn into where I'm going to have to start taking insulin shots and stuff like that. And I don't want all that, you know, in my, in my opinion, I would rather get rid of it all and not have it at all. But, you know, that takes time and, you know, effort to do that. And I got to put my mind to say, okay, this is it. I'm cutting it right here. Da, 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 da. Drink nothing but water. Go on about the way, you know.
0: All right. Monica has a clear goal here which is to get to a place where she's no longer reliant on medication to manage her diabetes. She even mentions that what she might do is exercise and eat better. So, after realizing a behavior we have isn't serving our goals, we are able to process information much easier. We let our guard down, and we can learn what is impacting our health and how. It reminds me of the lucky kids touring Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory each one coming from a different environment and with a different set of behaviors. So go ahead and try the not-yet-perfected everlasting gobstopper. Or teleporting into a television. What could go wrong? Fortunately, we don't have to turn into a blueberry or get stretched like taffy to come to the realization that a behavior needs an upgrade. Going from pre-contemplation to the contemplation stage often happens naturally after enough information is put in front of us or a specific event takes place. It's here when we go from not thinking we have a problem to realizing that something probably should change. For me, staying up late at night was a regular thing. Usually reading or watching TV, but then I would sleep in. No problem, not a problem at all. It's different with kids, right? Because kids, they don't care if you're up late. They're going to be up at the crack of dawn, no matter what. So now I'm waking up early on top of staying up late. And for a while I thought, you know, it didn't affect me. It's not a problem. But then I noticed on the nights that I did actually get to bed earlier, I was in a better mood I had more energy, more focus. I could tolerate the day's stressors a little bit easier And it was then that I started looking into how losing sleep can impact your health, mental health and physical health, and more importantly, what I could do about it, which in this case was simple, not easy, but simple. I, of course, just needed to go to bed earlier. So I set up a bedtime routine and prioritize it now, but I still stay up late sometimes and I know the impact that it has on me, but I'm working on consistency. It's progress, not perfection. So... How does this process start in the first place? How do we go from, eh, this isn't a problem, to, I should probably do something about this. Well, let's see what this looked like for Monica.
1: I mean, I knew soda was bad. I wish I would have never got to the point of drinking soda instead of just, you know, rather drinking other better, healthier stuff instead of that. I mean, I've been drinking soda since I was a kid. So my mom used to drink a lot of soda, and you know she doesn't have diabetes. You know, none of my brothers do either. I'm the only one that does in my family aside from my father who's now deceased. But we, you know, growing up, we always had soda in the house always. So since I was a kid, if I would have put my mind there, I wouldn't and, and not wanted to taste for the soda, it probably wouldn't have I wouldn't have that problem now. And I probably would have never ended up with diabetes either. You know, but uh, then again, you're going to think about it. Okay, well, maybe if the soda wasn't in the house all the time, then you'd probably be okay. You know, you would drink the other stuff, but it would be different. You wouldn't want the soda because I know I know a lot of people that I've my friends and stuff that I've known that. They don't like to drink soda, and that's because they never had soda as a kid. They, they, you know, they'd have it a cup once in a great blue moon. Mom would let him have a cup or whatever. But in my case, it was different because it was just easy access right there. You know, we could get it ourselves. You know, if we were old enough to get it, we could get it ourselves. So, you know, that's kind of part. If if it wasn't in the household, you know, it probably would have been a different story. You know, there too. But, you know, you live and learn as time goes on. And then as you get older, like I said, that was my norm for me. You know, soda was my norm. That's that's how it is. That's why it's so hard for me to try and cut. I mean, I've done a lot better than I used to. Like before I got diabetes, I used to bring like, you know, three or four 12 packs of soda home. And I'd go through like a case of soda in like a week, you know, And then, and so, and there's, there you go, you know, you're growing up, I don't care, you know, I'm just going to drink it, but you don't think about all the other house stuff that's going to affect you as you're getting older, you know?
0: Monica makes a great point here, because how are you supposed to know if what you're doing today is working against you, especially when everyone around you is doing the same thing? So a few things are going on here. Like so many homes, soda was the norm. So why would this be a problem? You know, it it wasn't until medications started being prescribed to help manage her blood sugar that it became clear something needed to change. And Monica found that reducing her soda intake actually improved her blood sugar. And I remember watching this happen. Her hemoglobin A1c, how we track blood sugar, dropped from, uh, I think it was above 10 to close to 6. Now, there isn't a medication out there that can do this outside of insulin, which is it's just crazy. But this change is so hard, especially when it's something that's been a part of your life for so long. If you remember episode three, Ruth talked about replacing soda with something fizzy, like sparkling water or carbonated water. But you have to find what works for you and your specific behavior or challenge. And it doesn't stop there, right? There, There's going to be some roadblocks and you will make some U-turns and that's gonna be challenging. So Monica explains some of her struggles here.
1: A lot of it is because I was not yeah, you know, soda always is the biggest problem there. For me at least, it's always always been the problem for me. So I think that's why my sugars were so high because I ate drank so much soda and I didn't eat a lot of sweets. I did eat them, but I ate a lot of pastas and a lot of carbs. And so, you know, that don't help either with the sugars and stuff like that. So what I did, I just, when I first found out I had them and I was able to drop them down to a good level, I kind of just cut back on a lot of things and stopped eating a lot of rices and, you know, pastas and try to cut back on the sodas and the sweet stuff and the breads and stuff like that and ate more fruits and vegetables and stuff like that to, you know, try to break it down and, you know, bring it down. And this, that was the first time I got diabetes. And even though I still had diabetes, I, you know, was recently up high again. And then I dropped it back down again to uh, a good amount again. And I just did the same thing. I just cut back on the stuff that I was normally not, eating shouldn't be eaten. So that helped a lot, I'm sure. Drinking more water, less sodas, you know, stuff like that.
0: The cycle of doing better and then regressing into old habits is so common, and it's actually a part of this cycle of change. Many of us want to dive right in and do something. It's so tempting to jump to that action after some basic planning. You know, you're learning what can help, and you want to get started now. The challenge is that life throws stuff at you that you don't expect and that doesn't fit into how you planned it initially. And that can be discouraging, often bringing you back to square one. So what do you do?
1: Well, the only thing that I did, it was when I first was diabetic, I took a diabetic class and I kind of learned from there. And, and then a lot, I actually learned a lot from there and just kind of went up and started reading little things here and there. I mean, nothing ba- big, drastic books, you know, or anything like this. I would look it up on the internet and read different things. If I had a, a question about something that you know that I wasn't sure then I would just kind of go look it up and see exactly what it was. That's kind of the class really helped me out the most I think though. Basically what I did was I just kind of put it in my mind that okay you need to cut back this you need to cut back that. memorize your stuff that you need to eat. Lower your your serving sizes that way, you know, and you just got to put that in your mind and you, you put that in your head. Otherwise, if you don't, then you're just you're not like, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to do that. But if you put that in your in your mind, that what you're doing to set it, you know, that's the only way for me. That's the only way I can try to achieve my goal is trying to remember, OK, you said this and this. You know, I, I write it down, but I don't think about that all the time. Most of the time it just it comes in my mind like, oh, OK, well, this is this. I'm not going to have it because I know what's going to happen the next day, you know, or whatever. That's kind of how I do it.
0: All right. Now we're going to classes. We're looking things up on the internet, learning more about what we can do. Then, as we move into preparation or planning, we are making that commitment, putting it in our mind that this is something we need to do to reach our goals. It's that commitment, that change in mindset along with everything that we learn that's going to pave the way to the next stage.
1: For me, that's kind of the most important thing for me because I've got to put my mind to it. Because if I don't put my mind to it, you know, I'm not going to do it. You know, and, you know, whatever, anybody can tell you whatever they want to tell you to their blue in the face, but it's not going to work that way. You have to do it yourself. You got to put your mind to it and say, okay, this is what's going to happen you got to do this, you got to do that, you know, whatever, whatever. But you got it. And for me personally, it's just like, I got to put my mind to it. I got to say, okay, I really, really need to do this. I really, really need to put my mind to it. Because if I don't, it's just in one ear, out the other ear. Most of the time, it's just, you know, when I try to pull those days off like that, I try to put my mind to doing that. And sometimes I have a lot going on and I don't think about it. I mean, I'm not saying I feel bad every day, you know, but sometimes there's just days you're like, ugh, you know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do this, you know, whatever. But I try to not get in that zone like that. I'd rather be like, well, you know, if you want to get better at this, you want to cut back on your, you know, try and get rid of your pills. You need to do what you need to do in order to set yourself straight. That's the kind of what I think it would be like for me to have a good day, you know.
0: Having a good day is awesome and can help make the next day good too, building on that momentum of success. But as you know, life isn't going to let that slide for too long. So it may be helpful when you're feeling good to plan for the inevitable bad day. Think about what could go wrong. What if we wake up late or run out of groceries or get sick? Make a plan for the most common things that could throw you off. In going through this process, it's helpful to think back when you tried making change in the past.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of it, like I said, when I look back at even now, I mean, I a lot of I ate a lot of boxed stuff, you know, that's high in carbs and a lot of bread and sodas, a lot of soda, you know, and I'm still trying to get that under control and I'm, I'm doing better. I'm still trying to avoid completely going off of it. I've been just trying to at least have at least one soda a week just to get it off the taste and then eventually completely move it off because that's what I noticed on the back because I drink a lot of soda and ate a lot of breads and ate a lot of pastas and stuff like that that always makes your sugars high because of the carbs and everything in there. And even now, Mm -hmm. to this day, I notice like if I eat like deep fried stuff, you know, fried stuff like that. And then my sugars are like really high because I ate the the fried stuff, you know. And it's, you know, it just, you know, what they, you don't know, like if you order stuff from a restaurant, you get fried stuff. You don't know what kind of oils and stuff they use because they don't, they all use the same old, same old oils all the time anyways. So you don't know what kind it is. And then, and I notice like when I do eat stuff like that, you know, the next morning when I do take my blood, uh, sugars, it's, they're, they're up there pretty high.
0: Collecting the right data is so important in evaluating your progress, as well as establishing your baseline. Monica mentions checking her blood sugar. She's tracking her numbers. You see, it's very easy to say that this diet or that is the best one for fill-in-the-blank condition. But tracking and knowing what foods are actually impacting, in this case your blood sugar, is critical as you're moving forward in developing your long-term eating strategy. You'll notice I'm using different terminology here. There's research that shows that the diet that is going to have the biggest impact on your health markers is actually the diet that you can follow consistently. But this isn't a quote-unquote diet then, it's just how you eat. It's your eating strategy. It'll look different for everybody, even with the same condition. Again, in the context of diabetes, you'll find that you react to foods differently. Rice, starchy veggies, popcorn, whatever. Using tools like a glucometer can guide you in deciding what works best for your eating strategy. Monica mentions the kinds of oils used in restaurants and that they may be problematic. And this is a good place to mention that most restaurants are using some version of canola or soybean oil. And these oils tend to become damaged, even at room temperature, but are especially problematic when heated up during the cooking process. So what does this mean, damaged and problematic? Technically, these oils get oxidized and have the potential to cause dysfunction at the cellular level. You may have heard the latest buzzword, inflammation. And this is what I'm referring to here. Many people realize the effect of these oils immediately after consuming them. But more often than not, it's just another contributing factor to overall inflammation, which can present as, you know, joint pain, migraines, brain fog, rashes, and a number of other symptoms. I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but if you're interested, get in the Facebook group and we can chat some more. Oh, and by the way, Willy Wonka only uses the best oils in his factory, so no worries there. Anyways, what does a good day look like for Monica? What needs to happen?
1: I'm like that, you know, I mean, I work, so I'm in a better mood, you know, and I just watch throughout the whole day what I drink, uh, what I eat and drink and stick to just drinking water. And, you know, instead of thinking, oh, I need to have this soda, you know, I try to avoid that when I'm in a good mood. I try to not think about that and eat good stuff, you know, more better stuff than I am eating now, like salads, more vegetables, more fruit, stuff like that instead of the normal you know, what I've been eating, you know, kind of, that's kind of, you know, I put my mind when I'm feeling decent like that, you know, if I can get to the gym, I'll try to do that too. You know, that's what I'm in the process of doing now. I just started that regiment trying to get to the gym and do different things like that. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. That just barely started. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Awesome. Getting into action here working on eating strategy, even getting into the gym. It's fantastic. Well, here are some closing thoughts for Monica on how to approach the process of change.
1: If you're trying to do something, you got to put your mind to it. Nobody can tell you what to do. You got to do it yourself. That's my what you need to know and learn if you can't tell it yourself and do it yourself it's not going to work for you. You always got to learn how to put your mind to it and say, okay, this is what I'm not going to do. This is what I'm going to do. That's just basically how I see it. You know, put your mind sturdy in it, you know, get your mind straight to what you want to do and make sure, but you got to do it yourself. You can't have nobody else do it. You got to do it your own. So you got to be able to say, okay, this is, this is how it's going to be, you know, set your mind to it, basically.
0: Alright. As Monica said, mindset is so important when you're on this journey and, and starting the process of change. An important part, no, a critical part of taking this on is knowing that we're not always in a position where we're ready for change or ready for action. And when we try and force things, we often get let down or discouraged and end up beating ourselves up about it. It can help to know where we are in this cycle so that we can take the appropriate next steps. Because that next step might not be taking action. It could be preparing or planning for those roadblocks or even just learning more about what's going on in your body. Often, we don't realize that the way we're feeling isn't normal because it's become our new normal. So stay curious, get routine labs, track the right numbers, and most importantly, check in with yourself to see how you're actually feeling. I'm going to post a few questions on the Facebook page so you can see which stage of change you're in. That way you can make the next move if you're ready. Well, I hope that you were able to take something away from this episode, even if it was just realizing you may need to jump back into the planning stage. Anyways, thank you so much for hanging out with me today, and I'll see you soon. If you enjoy Taco, please help me spread the word by sharing this episode with your friends and family and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Rating and reviewing the show also helps a ton. If you don't wanna miss an episode, just make sure to subscribe. Also, the private Facebook page, join it. You will find resources here and tools to assist you on your health journey, plus occasional challenges related to one of our episodes. But more importantly, you'll get the support of our community so we can all help each other make real change. Just search Talk Health Community on Facebook and request to join. I'll see you there. Finally, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or treat any disease. All right, well, I'll see you next time.